Amen. Let us continue such adoration as we open up to God's Word in Matthew chapter 2. If you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew 2. While you're opening there, a simple statement for introduction's sake of this text, which is hopefully well known by many of you, the journey of the wise men. They're coming into contact with King Herod and then consequently the true king, Jesus. Um, The statement is this. Salvation is the Christian life, salvation before and continuing through. Salvation is a constant journey with massive milestones and millions of normal steps on the way. A good example of this is that famous allegory, uh, the Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, Many of you might be familiar with it, Uh, at least maybe if you haven't read it, maybe you're familiar with the name, the Pilgrim's Progress. It's just a Uh, really a representation of the Christian life. And surprise, surprise, it is a guy on a journey, right? He's he's walking and he's got a backpack of sin on and he drops the backpack one day as he recognizes what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus. And whoo, the journey's a little easier now, right? And he continues on and there are different things that happen, representations of trials and tribulations, of uh, sins and of saints and all in between. It's really quite wonderful if you've never seen it, but the point stands. Salvation is a constant journey. One that we would do well to consider today, even at Christmas time. Our main point is just that. God has a salvation process that each of his children either have experienced or they will experience it as he tugs them in to the kingdom of himself. God has a salvation process and we're going to go through it. Let's pray and then we'll read God's word together to see what this process is all about. Oh, Heavenly Father, as we open up your word to read it, even as we have sung your word, we have sung the truths of your word. Now, God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would sing within our very souls, that you would render us asunder, that we would fall to our knees, not only in worship and praise, but in humility and thankfulness. And so, God, please do this for us, even in the reading of this word, in Jesus' name, amen. This is Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. We will read through verse 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly. With great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, 
and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, remember our main point. God has a salvation process that each of his children have experienced or will experience in their life on earth. So this is an all-inclusive moment, an all-of-us thing, and it's going to happen. It will happen as we look unto the Lord as believers in the Lord Jesus. Three points to help us see this and break it down. The first is God's pull. The second is God's prophecy. And the third is God's progeny, his children. First, then, as we consider God's salvation process that all those believing in him have experienced or will, we must take note of God's pull on our lives. Verses 1 and 2 of our text this morning. Without a doubt, every Christian has been pulled into the kingdom of God by God himself. There is no other way to get into the kingdom. He has to pull you in. Depending on your proximity to the kingdom of God, that pull will look a lot different. For instance, if we wanted to remove ourselves from Matthew chapter 2 for a second and go over to Luke, we would see old Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, and it would feel a little bit like a ripe apple falling to the ground under the tree. They were born into faithful families, serving God, continuing in service to God. And in all of this, they were pulled by God into his kingdom through their belief. They were close to the kingdom of God to begin with. And so God pulled them a close way. Uh, we would sometimes in the church today call this uh, how uh, our covenant families work. Well, my parents were at the church and I was worshiping there when God changed my life as I was born again and believed in the Lord Jesus. But on the other hand, we have these magi in our text this morning from the east coming to Jerusalem. Now, east is a pretty vague term, right? Especially if you think about the geography, if they're coming from the east, they could actually be coming so many miles. Uh, it's not like it just has to be the next town over. We could be talking all the way over to the ocean here, okay? So let's not act like we know where these magi, these wise men are coming from. It's a vague term, and the implication is that they had to come a formidable distance. Instead of a ripe apple falling to the ground, maybe if we wanted to keep that silly illustration, it's an apple picked, processed, and shipped halfway across the world. With no explanation of their belief system here, Aside from the description magi, which y'all are wondering, why is he saying that? that that's, the, that's the Greek word, magi. We typically translate that here as wise men. That's the only thing we get, though. And it's coupled with the fact that they're unaware of the prophecy that will be mentioned in just a few minutes from the Old Testament, okay? So they don't know that. They're called wise men or magi. And alongside of that is their own words, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? In other words, not my king. Where's my king at? Where is our king? They don't use that possessive language. They say, where's the king of the Jews? We've come to find and worship him. They're seeking. They're being pulled. They're, they're being brought. And it seems that their proximity to God in all of this was very far 
off. But nevertheless, they are pulled by God himself to seek Jesus. And so they have come. And the very same thing has happened to all of you who have received the salvation of God. Whether it was a family of faith that you grew up in, which I look around and I see many of you who would say that. That's your testimony bearing itself out. Or if you had hit rock bottom in your life and because of that it drove you to the cross of Christ or most commonly probably somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, Where you maybe did have an affiliation where God had blessed you with uh, family or extended family in the church to share that gospel of Jesus with you. But as we sometimes do, we like to go seeking that rock bottom. And as we did so, the Lord pulled us out of it and into his family. God has a salvation process. And the first part, every time, it's the pull. God pulls his people. Now, there's a second part to the process. And don't worry, we'll come back by way of application. But let's, let's get through this. There's a second part to the process. And it's God's prophecy shown to us and we see that really here in verses three through nine in an interesting way even in the midst of the evil insidious regime of herod the lowercase k king god's prophecy his word is still in play for the wise men herod was troubled and so was jerusalem and it was because the jig was up He was familiar enough with the prophecies surrounding the royal line of King David to have alarm bells start ringing when anyone mentioned the king of the Jews. And we see that in verses 3 and 4. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Of course, they go to an Old Testament prophet named Micah where they see it explicitly mentioned, where this king would rise up. And that right there is what makes God's truth so very powerful. Because even if you don't believe in it or support it, it doesn't make it any less true. And unbelieving, unrighteous King Herod and his cohorts prove this fact when he engages the truth. He's not a believer in the Lord Jesus. He was not awaiting the king that he might worship him as he intimates to the wise men. He was awaiting the king that he might kill that king and usurp his authority. And yet he still engages with the prophecies as truth. He sets these men, these wise men, seeking Jesus on the right path through the use of God's word, which fulfills God's pull from our first point through his prophecy which is our second point. God's word will work for his people. No matter the circumstances, no matter the belief, no matter the place, no matter the person, no matter the venue, God's word works. And it is a vital aspect to the salvation process. That's why this church, Centennial, that's why this denomination, the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, That's why our sister denominations all place a high emphasis on the word of God and its proclamation because God's word works, period. He pulls us through the prophecy every single time. But that brings us to our third point. Remember, we'll come back. If you're being pulled, where are you being pulled to? 
If there is prophecy or words being spoken, what about? The answer lies in our third point where we see God's progeny, God's children bear out. Verses 10, 11, and 12. We are being pulled by God into God's family. The prophecy that is God's word is a narrative of God's redemptive plan for his people. The focus, how this plays out, is by and through the working of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been revealed from the very beginning all the way to this very moment in our text where the wise men are seeking him out, quite literally and no pun intended, in the flesh. This is the hinge of salvation history. This is the fulfillment of the salvation plan. This is where God has pulled each and every one of you who are believing all the way to Bethlehem in Judea to the door of a Joe Schmo family where the king of the universe happens to be residing. In and through and by Jesus are we turned from people outside God's house looking in to adopted children within. The kingly gifts that you see here that we're so familiar with, with the wise men, gold, frankincense, myrrh, rendered unto the young boy Jesus, they were but a signifier of that which had already been written on the hearts of the men who came to see this Jesus. The things we should truly be focusing on, rather than gold and frankincense and myrrh. Did you notice the verse before? Rejoicing, great joy, and worship. Just like that. In the blink of an eye, they're on their way back east. No longer outsiders, but children. Progeny of God. God has a salvation process that each of his children have experienced or will experience in their life here on earth. And here is some application as we think through that for yourself. Let's think about that pull, that first point. What was it like for you? What was it like for you who are believing? What was the pull? Were you pulled only a few feet because of how close to the kingdom of God you already were due to your family or other circumstances? Were you born into the church or were you drawn from miles and miles and miles away out of some darkness you never ever want to experience or speak of again? For those pulled not so far, just a few feet, do not grow weary of the ordinary flow of Christian life. Don't replace the word ordinary with monotony. Seek growth where God has revealed growth to be, with God's people, under the teaching of God's word, in the fellowship of the believers. Seek it and watch him pull you to himself. For those whom God has pulled over a long distance, you know who I'm talking to. Don't think the star is God. Here's what I mean. For the wise men, they came miles and miles and miles following a star placed by God for their good and benefit. But they didn't worship the star for its guiding light. They worshiped Jesus when they arrived through the revelation of God. Don't replace God with his means, how he pulled you 
Seek growth toward God and worship God, doing the tugging on your very soul through whatever means he wants to use, be it a star in the sky or whatever. Let's think about that second point regarding God's word. Depending on the day, I bear witness to God using some crazy things in his creation to bring people to himself. We saw a star here, okay? I've seen barbecue, smiling, changing a flat tire, uh, just, hear me well, just answering the phone, okay? Just answering the phone and really quite a number of other seemingly random events just this last week that can trigger God's pull on ours and others' lives. He uses it all because it's his creation, and he's tugging us at all times, his people. But if it's a true pull, God's prophecy, his word, will become primary. The guiding star was certainly miraculous, but the prophetic word sealing and showing the depth of the meaning of the star for the wise men quickly escalates the events playing out. I know that we want stars, but God's word is so much better, and here is the application. Do you read it? Do you read God's word? And let me help you parse that out a little bit. When I ask you that, I don't want you to get worried and think, well, I haven't read my whole Bible this year. I didn't say that. Well, I haven't read the Christmas story this year. I didn't say that either. Well, I didn't read through the Proverbs this month. You know, there's a chapter a day if you read it. Great, I guess. It's cool if you want to do that. But do you want to know what's more important? Seeing how God has made you and then finding how you can dive deeply into God's word. Maybe it is, as I have discipled some, a verse a day or a verse a week. Uh, the good Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a pastor of much higher prowess than myself, who I have read many books of, I, I uh, honor him highly. Uh, and if you wanted to know why I preach the way I do, blame him and not me. Uh, if you don't like it, and if you do, well, give all the credit to me. But uh, as you look to this doctor, he would preach from the same verse multiple weeks in a row. Y'all thought 75 weeks in the Gospel of Luke was a lot? You should just go and look up some of his sermon series. We're talking four, five, six sermons out of the same Bible verse. And that is what he did. There are others who will read to you, as I have done before, 75 verses. And we'll get it done, right? Y'all remember those days. And, and it, just, it just depends on the moment and on who we are. And so don't uh, pigeonhole yourself into thinking, I've got to do this devotion or that Pigeonhole yourself into the reality that God works in his word and that as Christians we will desire his word. And so, dear ones, dive into his word this Christmas season. Be it a verse, a chapter, three chapters or six chapters, whole books, whatever it is, dive in and be blessed as God pulls you even more. But thirdly and finally, this third point in the application for it, for the progeny of God, for the children of God, the believers in the Lord Jesus, here's the real question. It's not gold or frankincense or myrrh that I'm worried about for us. It's rejoicing. It's great joy. And it's worship. Where is your rejoicing? Where is your great joy? Where is your worship? 
I get it. Only y'all can answer those questions. I can't dive into your hearts the way that you can dive into your own hearts. But let me tell you, the answers to those questions hold some keys to your life. Where is your rejoicing? Where is your joy? Where is your worship? Here are the keys that they hold. Happiness, contentment, peace of mind, righteousness, growth, development, authenticity. And those are just a few because I don't want to bother you with the long list that continues on as we think about who we are, as we try to identify where we are this Christmas. Where is your heart? And do you have the capacity to dwell on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that is what Christmas is. But do we do that as a people? We must. If we are the people, we must. Salvation by God, it is a constant journey with massive milestones and millions of normal steps on the way. Whether this right here is just a small step in the process, or maybe, as you're thinking about this, it's one of the larger milestones. Where for the first time in a long time, you're thinking about these things truly and really. Whichever one it is, rejoice with great joy in the Lord for his pull on your life to a place that honors the word over man. Worship your God, not far off, but as a child that God has brought into his house. That's the gospel. You know, we are not just members of Centennial. We are members of God's family as we believe in the Lord Jesus. We can pray to God as Father. Let it sink in and rejoice with great joy and worship your Lord. We're about to do that. We're about to sing some more. Let's pray first before we sing. Heavenly Father, thank you for the salvation process. Thank you that you pull. Sometimes you tug. Sometimes you drag. But you keep on coming for us. And so, Lord, we rejoice. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your adoption, that we can call you Father, that we are not far away from you, that we are close to you, and that because of that, we can have a true relationship with you, deeper than any relationship we have on this planet. And so God, help us to hold fast to these things, even as we sing great praises unto your name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.